welcome to Top 5 Nintendo, where we give you top five lists for all things Nintendo. I'm your host today. My name is Sam, and here is my guest, Jake. Jake, how's it going today? What's up? I'm just chilling. I uh, went to a concert last night, so if I'm a little raspy, my apologies. That's okay. I like your raspy voice. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. <laughs> so for today, we are going to be doing the top five lists for art styles. Now, specifically... This is game by game. So rather than the maybe oh. Super Nintendo. Well, uh, Spill it, Jake. when I was making this list, well, I see where you were going. It's, okay. not, it's not by generation. Correct. But I did it for some of these. I have multiple games grouped together that, that share similar art styles. So oh, that's, th- that's my that's fair. caveat, I guess. Because you're going to have Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask <laughs> as, as one single one, I wouldn't right? even call those the same art, so... Okay. Well, I guess we have plenty to discuss this time. Um, that's pretty valid. Basically, the idea is that um, rather than be like, oh, 16-bit, that beats the 8-bit yeah. style, we're going to be picking more specifically than that. Um, but maybe... So, yeah, it's somewhere in between that and, like, you can't say, like, oh, the Pokemon art style. I love the Pokemon designs. Right. Got to be a little more specific Which Pokemon? Which Pokemon? Which generation of them? Something like that. Okay. And that gives you the excuse to do five generations of Pokemon, I suppose. Very possible. <laughs> um, and then in terms of criteria, I'm thinking that I have a pretty biased list, and, I, and, and it's going to be... I'm going to really give out um, a lot of biased information about my tastes. It, okay. I I have one specific style, not to give too much away. Yeah, me too, I think. I tried to keep it non-biased, but I, I favor some characteristics. Sure. And um, and the funny thing about video games is that it um, it's such a progression in that there's awkward phases and then there's really great, like fluid art style and then we kind of progress into the next stage and then with that is more like of an awkward period we were talking in the uh in the controllers episode about kind of how like even the controllers did that not an art style but like the wii remote was you know experimental and they were like all right we mastered it with the gamecube what else can we do and i see i think the art styles is going to be like that too so it's going to be um less predictable than like us naming five switch games as how, yeah, I hope so. As, or at least I hope. Yeah, I think I have some doozies on this one. Some doozies. At least one that I don't think would have been guessed otherwise. Well, I can't wait to hear but it. Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. You, unless you had anything else. You're hosting, I guess. Yeah, this is this is my call, Jake. Oh, wait a second. Waiting. Okay. I was looking at my list and it said six and I was and I was freaking out a little bit, but Well, good thing this is top six Nintendo. Yeah, phew. To- <laughs> that was a close one. I skipped two. So I think we're in the clear. All right, well I'll start with my my number six. <laughs> and I picked this Breath is actually of- number five. <laughs> <laughs> number five. I picked Breath of the Wild. Um okay. because a little low there. It's a little low. Um and I and I'll hopefully have some explanation to to back that up. Well, you better. So, so what I liked about Breath of the Wild is that um, it got the open world style where you have like horizons and really high scale views that look awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But it keeps the like cartoon elements of Nintendo. I feel like Nintendo has, for the most part, 
stayed away from that huge scale open world format, even when um, other developers um, were getting really big into that. I'm thinking like how I grew up with Skyrim and I love Skyrim and I thought it was like the best looking game mm-hmm. that I had played at that point. Um, just because of like the mountains and the view and there's a little bit more realism in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then playing Breath of the Wild, I was, you still get that, but you get um, a little bit of personality thrown into that. And that's that Legend of Zelda art style where things don't need to be hyper-realistic. The charm of it is right. is the immersion into a different world, not trying to meet your world, even if it's like a fantasy-based you know, medieval yeah, inspired. Like this is this is high rule, and they're not afraid to make you feel like you're in high rule. That's how I see it. Um, so even though the realism's avoided, I mean, you can still relate to seeing like a giant open field and thinking that that view looks awesome. The grass is like super green right. and sharp, and that's cool and detailed. And detailed, exactly. Um, and the mountains. And like the lava, like it's not, it's not silly looking. I don't think, I mean, it's, it's relatable, but also immersive in its own style. And for that reason, I picked it. Now, could it be higher? Maybe. I think in terms of like the map, like Nintendo maps, if we were talking like the Nintendo worlds, it would maybe be higher, but I'm, I'm speaking specifically on how um, the uniqueness of the art style, like specifically, like how are the characters drawn, right? Right. How is how are the mountains drawn, and and how is it different from other games? And that's the top five. So that's pretty high. I mean, there's a lot of games out there. There is a lot of games, but there's there's other games that I have that I think creates art in a way that I prefer. Is all I'll say. Okay, fair enough. I'm happy it's on your list at least. Glad I made you happy. Wish it would have been higher. Could have been happier today, Sam. But here we are. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I agree. Uh, it, I, of course, have it on my list. So I have a lot to say later on. But uh, I will say it has its place, like you said, kind of bringing a crossover between realism and the Nintendo cartoony art style, the little fantasy thing that Zoda has going on for all these years. Um, yeah, I don't want to say too much, but uh, I'll give a little fun fact here, I guess. Please do. When they were designing this art style for Breath of the Wild, um, this is a big step up for the Zelda franchise, uh, Breath of the Wild was. So they kind of viewed this art style that they're creating as like the uh, foundations of what Zelda will be from now on. Interesting. So there's a lot of pressure on creating Breath of the Wild's art style specifically um, as it's like pretty much reshaping the franchise and what we imagine Link and his friends look like. Well, that is awesome and very hopeful because if this is just to set like the base level of what's to come. I mean, I, I'm satisfied with how it is right now, of course. And if they're going to build Mm -hmm. it and make it even more, maybe out there, unique, wacky, I, I'm excited to hear about it. And I'm also excited because before we started recording, we were both very, very nervous that we would not have as many fun facts in this episode. (laughs) Right. 
maybe because the art style idea might be drier and not as fun fact driven, but I think we're off to a good start. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if it's that, but well, from my experience, at least researching this episode, that it's there, there's not many interviews with these people who made these designs. It's, it's yeah. The more of the interviews are with like the producers and directors of the games who want to rather talk about the mechanics of the game and you know the the game's place in its franchise rather than its art style. Uh, but I mean that just makes it all the cooler that we have this episode. I guess somebody needs to talk there about go. it. Go us! <laughs> yeah, the saving champ- the Nintendo champions of video game art style. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is gonna keep throwing me off. How I have one, three, four, five, six. Okay, number four. For me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, shoot. Whoa. I got so excited to say my next one. <laughs> Could I say mine first? Uh, you might as well. That would be fair. <laughs> okay, thanks. so. <laughs> my number five is another Zelda game, Link's Awakening, for the Switch specifically. Um, the, yeah, I won't even speak on the um, DX and original version of the game, but um, I love Link's Awakening for the Switch. I don't, I guess the HD version, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it is such a cute, cartoony look. Probably one of the cutest games I've played. Um, <laughs> why are you laughing? Someone's never played Nintendogs before. <laughs> that was valid. It is very cute. It's round and yeah. and they have like big eyes for their face. Yeah, exactly. Valid description. And from the Zelda franchise, you're not really expecting cute. So this was very cool. Um, and it's not even like the original game, like they had cute bits to it, but they didn't like look cute. But mm-hmm. I mean, that was, you know, they couldn't really, <laughs> it was like, I guess it was, uh, I don't know, 16 bit. I don't know these, whatever. Um, but yeah, it looked very toy. Like the characters look toy, like the mm-hmm. whole, um, the depth of field was very low. So it kind of focused on the center, which like generally you would be in the center of uh, the map, um, but it let you see farther out. So I guess the map in this game isn't too big as far as it goes, but that kind of small depth of field made it feel bigger. Like you could see the edges Mm. um, without being able to like access them maybe or see them very clearly. So it gave like a very strong sense of like adventure and exploration uh, which I'm sure is what they were going for, and they nailed it. Um, yeah, it has like that classic tilt shift look where it's not exactly top down, but uh, again, kind of that tilt shift lets you see your surroundings a little bit more, uh, which makes it easier to, I guess, see where you are in relation to other things, which is pretty cool. Um, cartoony the cartoony style holds on to the simplicity of the original Game Boy version Um, I don't remember the exact quote on this but I remember reading that um, this remaster was like a essentially like a pixel for pixel remaster where like everything lined up on this new version exactly as it looked or as it was placed in the original version. Nice. Which is very cool. Um, but it brought a sense, it brought that like cartoony style to it. Um, so yeah, unique and cute. Um, stays true while while bringing a, 
I don't know, a new style to the franchise, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know. There's not a whole lot to say there. I just really like the cuteness, which is you know, what I was saying in the beginning. That's my, that's what I'm a sucker for. <laughs> so we'll be talking a lot about how cute these games are <laughs> today. <laughs> Please don't judge us. Um, that was that was excellent insight because I have never had that. I guess explain the the depth of field aspect to cool, um, yeah. your perspective when playing that game. Um, I know that a lot of people like that art style and how they they modernized it, but still let it be like top down right. and like very simple imagery and they just modernize it. And I think that's probably like the best way you can possibly do that for a game like Link's Awakening. And it's also they had to put a spin on it because they've done like the cute, like cartoony style for a bunch of their games. Yeah. Right? You know, Wind Waker and, and all okay, the, yeah, what, the, right. uh, any Toon Link game. And this one was more like how you said, um, less less a cartoon. It's still cartoony, but more toy like, and um, and that's kind of relatable in a different way. Is it's you know yeah we were talking about that when we were talking about like Smash Bros Melee, where Master Hand and you are the toy. Like when you play as the toy, that right. that inherently like makes sense. Um, yeah, and actually that's a good point. Um, the this I mean. You've played a little bit of the game. For those of you who haven't played the game, it is a like canonical Zelda game, but it it also uses characters from other franchises. So you have the Chain Chomp and um, uh, what do you call them, Goombas and whatever else. Um, there's like I don't know. There's a lot of Easter eggs, but uh, essentially, like I'm saying, this art style makes it feel like a little bit of the Smash Bros thing where you're like combining these franchises and it although this game is like canon um it having them like look like toys and and feel like that kind of makes you feel like you're you're having a fun time like joining all these games together and sort of like the whole Smash Bros like playing with dolls and whatever mm-hmm. even though that's not really the case it I think the style just suits the game very well I would agree Yep, for the little I have played, I I did appreciate that that part of it. They still, I mean, they they keep it saturated and they keep it um, simple, but still interesting. A decent fifth pick. Thank you. So if I did my math right, I believe that I am next with my number four. That is, wait, let me double check. Correct. Sounds about right to me. <laughs> okay, my number four pick is Earthbound. No way. Yep. And I'm I'm glad that Jake is now finally playing Earthbound because now I can relate and I don't I could um we could have a back and forth about it instead of me being yes. like, Oh, you have to play it because of this and that. Um, I believe I am three quarters or so through, so please don't spoil anything. It's a very exciting game and I'm sure there's a lot to spoil. There is. Well, and I won't do that then. Okay. Um thankfully it's it's uh pretty simple reasoning why I like this so much. My favorite just like era of the art styles is the Super Nintendo era. And I feel like they, they kind of perfected like that pixely look around 1994. Right. And Earthbound is out at this time. And what it does is it, it's not trying to be like immediately an escapist game 
right? You're used to like, at this time, you know, Legend of Zelda is out and popular and so is the Metroid series. And I'm thinking of games like, even like Star Fox, to lesser degree Mario, like all those games are like, take you very far out of familiarity mm-hmm. and that makes it part of the immersion. Is It's like, you know, the the escapism of video games. You could be in a different world, you could be a different person, like you're a fox, you're an elf, you're yeah. whatever. And then Earthbound is you are a dude. Child. You are, yeah, you are a, you're a child. And, you know, if you're playing the game, you could very well be a child. Right. Um, and you, at first, you just don't have, like, powers. Like, you just, you just know to be this guy who yep. lives in a house in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And when you go outside, there's grass, there's a road, right? There's, it seems pretty normal and they capture it, like, really well in a really familiar way. And it's not trying to be immediately escapist. And then as things go on, it makes it makes the weird imagery feel even more real. Like because okay. there's yeah. such a distinguished difference between, you know, you're walking around town and the town and the library and everything mm-hmm. is just done in a way that you understand in real life. And then when you see like blue zombies walking around. Right. It's like, oh, like that's that feels so believable. Like in the 16-bit style where you're kind of limited to what you can depict and you can't make things look real. Mm-hmm. Well, by creating a world that feels and looks really real and then having something strange appear. Right. Now I get it. Like now I believe it. And and it's done in like a funny way and it's done in an interesting way. And as the game goes on more and more, you start is you start drifting away from this recognizable format of like one net, right, and threed and four side, and um, yeah, and then you start entering. Okay, I just got to four side. Okay, or maybe the one right after that. No, okay. I, th- I think I'm. I, th- I think I'm in four side. So okay. let's leave it at that. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Um, and as it keeps going on, it feels more fantastical and and how they do it is just on point it's just perfect and you you really feel like you're in a place that you understand and then you feel like you're in a completely different place i keep saying this over and over again but because i really believe it um and and that is really the art style of it that i like like when you go in the drugstore it feels like fun and mm-hmm. and it feels like you're like honestly, you're like you're playing with toys. Like on you're as a kid and you have like your own like I don't know, like kitchen. It's like okay, that sure. kind of moment. But as like an adult. Yeah. Um kind of like what makes Grand Theft Auto even fun is okay. is the familiarity of everything and feeling like you have so much control. When you get those psychic powers, I mean that's that is one of my favorite things about that game is just how they create that world. And it's done through this saturated familiar 16-bit art style right yeah um i don't want to say his name wrong but the director of the killing of sacred year yorgos lanthimos yorgos lanthimos there you go. got it it's kind of i mean it's kind of what you were saying where he like creates these worlds i guess that are like they seem real but then something feels a little off so it's kind of like that so like the i think the art style feels very real in that case 
but the contents of the game, like you said, become increasingly fantastical. Mm-hmm. But the reality of the art style kind of keeps bringing you back in. So, and I actually noticed in this game, um, which I mean, I'm literally like playing it right now, so mm-hmm. top of my head, but um, they do kind of do that thing where they'll like bring you into a dungeon and it gets like really weird and stuff. And then they'll just throw you into the next town and then everything's kind of normal again. Mm-hmm. But even so, um, what was the blue town called? Oh, I forget. I mean, it's just, it, it's in a town that it's a town that's entirely blue. <laughs> so it's like everything feels right and real, but then everything's blue mm-hmm. and whatever. It, like it was weird, but, um, I think the art style of that game like really fits it. And, and I think it's even more, it's sh- that point should be even more appreciated because at the time of this, that the game came out, um, like this was kind of regressive in terms of what a game would look like at the time. Sure, like it could have looked a lot better. It could have looked. I I uh, was like Final Fantasy was. Final I don't Fantasy know where they were at. This, was okay, the same year, and it looked much better. Like uh, you know, from a objective way, standpoint, way more detailed. Yeah, there you go. So they. So yeah, it should be appreciated that they like specifically chose this art style, um, and it really it fits very well. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Cool. No, no That's argument really there. Have. I mean, yeah, I. Um, that's about all I got. I I just I really liked the game, and what what hooked me was I felt like it was almost. I mean, they're both basically JRPGs, but it it felt like oh, this is kind of what I wanted out of like Pokemon. Yeah, know, as adult. I was reading debates on that. It, I, I think it is definitely a JRPG. I mean, it's a Japanese role playing game mm-hmm. by all means, but a lot of people are saying because of its Western style, mm. it shouldn't be considered that. But I mean, I don't think the style defines the genre. I was reading a lot of articles about. I mean, a, a lot of um, like Reddit, like sure, whatever you know. A lot of debates on this. Uh, I'm standing on the side of it being a JRPG. What do you think? I think it absolutely has to be a JRPG. What made it, what makes it such an interesting game is that it's very subversive and ironic about the JRPG style. I mean, in in Japan specifically, the JRPG genre. Did I say the right JRPG mm-hmm. genre? Um, was was huge and like very well understood. And like Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest were were popular games. I I forget what I was reading about it, but um, like the, like people would just like mass skip work when like Dragon Quest. Yeah, would come out. yeah, you did mention this at some. I point. think I did. I don't remember exactly. What you said, to remember but, exactly what I said. Um, perhaps when I don't know when some game came out, people left work to buy the game so they had to they made a law i think in japan yeah. that, that the games had to come out on like weekends yeah something like that it was either like final fantasy or dragon quest but either way japan really understood the conventions of the jrpg games and they loved them and that's um like assembling party members into uh like a great party size mm-hmm. and like getting like leveling up your your magic powers and then turn-based combat right in fantasy worlds mm-hmm. Japan understood how those games are made. They loved how those games were made. And then even in America, like we were like, we got Final Fantasy one and we liked that game too. Um, but we probably understood those conventions less. And so when Earthbound right. came out and was like, what if we 
kind of did like the opposite of what people were expecting in like a way that's going to be funny yeah. and then interesting. And I think Japan saw how they were subverting expectations. And we were like, wait a second. Are we like being made fun of right now? Like this yeah. just looks like us. This, <laughs> How am I supposed to be an escapist when I'm just walking around in what feels like, right. you know, the suburbs that I live in? Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely a cool aspect of it. Um, I've... I don't know. Think, Jake. Think. Well, no, it's okay. I don't. I don't want it. Like, I don't like going on. We're a podcast. We like to talk, but I don't want to talk about things I don't know a ton about because then I just look dumb. So I'll hold it. But okay. Well, now <laughs> I'm dying to know, and I'm just gonna be upset. I mean, we could discuss later. I don't want to say things on the record that have to go back and like edit it out, <laughs> or, like because I sound dumb or whatever. But the audience will never know what Jake was <laughs> thinking. Let it be known. Um. Well, then what, we, it's so. Okay, it's chill. We can um, hop into. Do you have any more thoughts? We can go on to your number four. Let's move on. Let's move on for now. Wink. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay. This is the one I think that wouldn't really be on anyone's list, and I actually never even played it. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> what's I, happening right I now? I always every time I see it, I think it looks very cool. And um, while making this, I watched like a bunch of like gameplay for this game since I haven't played it myself, I, and I wanted to be able to speak on. Can I please take a guess of what it is? Please take a guess. Wooly World. Almost. Oh, I was so close to having that instead of this on my list. Okay. Okay. Um, it's a it's a Mario game. If you want to take it, one more guess. Um, the the Mario Maker game. No, I don't. I mean, that's kind of that feels kind of generic to me. Like yeah. uh, just a normal Mario game. I'm just trying to in think terms of, of art. So yeah, fair enough. I do want to play that one. That I've heard so many good things. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. I just had a thought on Earthbound, but wink. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll come back to okay. Earthbound later. Who knows? Right. Um. Origami King, Paper Mario. Origami wow. King. Okay. I think this game is so clever in its design, and I've never played any Paper Mario game, let me just say, mm-hmm. but, like, when this game came out, I remember really wanting to pick it up. I don't know why I never did. I probably will eventually. Um, it just sometimes, you know, we're college student. Well, I'm a college student. Uh, it's hard sometimes to dish out 60 or 50 bucks for a game, mm-hmm. but hopefully I'll get to it eventually. Um yeah, I don't know. There's something just immediately appealing to it. Maybe it's the originality of it, of like having origami and uh, you know in a video game, and and the fact that we're like we're at this point where Mario, at least the mainline Mario games are are mostly 3D at this point. Um, but the this is kind of bringing a sense of like it is a 3D game, but it's like based on the idea of everything being flat, which is like I don't know. There's just something cool to it. I'm pretty unfamiliar with the game mechanics of Origami King. Okay. I, I know how the other Paper Mario games work, but is this one as a puzzle game or is it an RPG style? It is RPG style, kind of. Um, I'm not... I watched some videos, so I'll try to explain a little bit. Um, and actually, good point, because I'm sure a lot of people probably haven't played this game. Um, although I'm sure a lot of people have as well. But... Um, I think it's it's mostly like a linear linear like open world type thing. Mm, okay. Um. So you can move around in a three D space, but it's pretty linear as far as it goes. Um. The 
combat essentially it is a bit of an RPG thing where it brings you to I think it's it's a, like a puzzle based RPG. I don't really know how to describe it. And especially because I think every boss is a little bit different, but mm-hmm. from the one boss I did watch, at least I could speak on um it was kind of like the boss in the middle of like five rings or so hmm. and then you re the rings are like split into columns and you could turn each ring individually so that there's like different it kind of like Mario Party where there's different spaces hmm. made up and you have to like align them in the perfect way that lets Mario move in for the attack uh, so especially as I think for the one I saw there's like arrows on the rings so the arrows would point in the direction Mario would end up moving. So you have to arrange these arrows to have Mario move in the correct direction. I don't know if you would call that a puzzle-based RPG, I guess. I don't really know what you would call it. Are you, like, looking it up right now? I'm looking up because I'm hearing you explain it, and I'm like, this sounds crazy. I don't even know of, like, another game. No, literally, yeah. I've never seen a game like this. Perhaps Action Puzzle. Would be action puzzle would be a good description. Yeah, I guess there's not really RP. I don't. It is kind of RPG ish, so it's it is like turn based combat, in a sense. I don't know. I'm bad with genres as far as it goes. Anyway, to begin with, so um, this game looks great. Yeah, watch a video yeah. if you haven't played this game. I'm, this might be like the best promotion for this game that Nintendo has ever received. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when was the last uh, Paper Mario game? I'm trying to think. I think there was some like. Was there one after this? I thought this was the the most recent one. Or, or I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I the one before this. Origami oh. King. Um, it was like for the Wii, I think, and it. I don't. Think I think it was the Wii RPG. did have one. Yeah, because the the first two are like classics. Like they go Definitely. for a whole lot of money yeah. on the used market. Yeah, I the thing that's made this one stand out is the origami aspect because I thought that's, that's I wasn't valid. about the paper like mm. whatever, but the I think the origami was such a cool design concept, and I haven't even spoken a lot as far as like we've been going for like ten minutes now. But uh, what I wanted to say about this game is um the the landscape has like a similar sort of glossy uh, design that Link's Awakening had, but um, obviously you're using like paper and origami characters so that there's a deep contrast there that, that looks kind of cool I guess it makes them look a little bit out of place um, and I think that all leads to like the sort of Mario comical style that Nintendo does um, it's it's obviously very unique but it also feels comfortable it, like I said the landscape it has like glossy kind of like toyish effect to it um, so it's it feels like a fun joyous game to just play you know sure there's also I'm, I'm looking at pictures right now as we talk and in terms of like that glossy look yeah it it has really smart lighting going on okay you know I I'm thinking of like the older games a lot of the games that even made my placements sure don't really have like you know cinematic lighting necessarily right. yeah and i think that that's just the progress that nintendo has made over sure. the years mm-hmm. perhaps if they remade a you know an older paper mario i'm sure they would do the same thing with the lighting but yeah I, that's probably something that stood out to me as well that i i might not have noticed directly but contributes to the the kind of 
feeling I was describing of just feeling comfortable and uh, I don't know, like unique and playful, I guess. Yeah, this yep, this is a great looking game. I'll give it to like, you. You picked a number for her. That, dude, was, that was I'm, very nice. I'm happy it's on my list. Uh, yeah, I don't think it would have been on many people's list, but it's really just a game that always stood out to me and it's always been in the back of my head wanting to play and I never got to. Uh, my last note was just that the origami had a lot of room for silly humor, like, mm. you know, the classic Mario humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that as well from what I've seen of the game. Um, I don't know. Hopefully I'll play it eventually, but... If I end up buying it, I'll, I'm sure I'll let you borrow it if you want. Yeah, that's... Um, I'm thinking about how when I was a young kid, I was maybe... I want to say I was like four or five. I, I wasn't reading yet, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And I, got, I went to Blockbuster and Classic. rented... I rented... Um, it was uh, Paper Mario for the 64. Cool. I didn't even know the franchise goes that far Yeah, back. the first one is for the 64 and it's considered a classic. It's, it's turn-based RPG. Okay. Yep. And okay. and I bought it and I was like, oh, this is going to be like, I was used to, you know, the 2D platformers. Like mm-hmm. I loved um, all of those um, 2D sure. platformer games and I had them all for Game Boy Advance. I got this one for my, just to rent for the 64 and I was driven crazy by it because you go up to the bad guys mm-hmm. and then you hop into turn-based combat. Yeah, exactly. And I guess people probably, um, maybe like an older audience liked, I'm going to use the phrase again how the expectations were subverted by that, you know? Right. It's not the first time Mario went turn-based, but the art style is completely different okay. and the combat's different. And as a young kid, I was like too confused on how to operate. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I want to jump on their heads, right? Not, right, right. Did, but now it's funny because my taste has totally changed and I would love to play any of those Paper Mario games. Cool. Even the Game Boy yeah. uh, or the GameCube one. Um, okay, great pick. Thanks, um, well, I got my number three if you'd like to hear it. Yeah, let's do it. So I feel like now I was gonna say I feel like I don't include Pokemon enough in my top lit in my top five list, but I'm remembering that <laughs> it's pretty much always my number one pick Every episode. is like Pikachu <laughs> or Team Rocket. Yeah. Okay, so um, for number three I did Pokemon Crystal. Okay, can you is, remind me which generation? This yes, is? that is that is Gen two. Okay, and so how it worked is Gold and Silver came out initially for Gen okay. two, and then Gen. And then, and then Crystal came out after okay, that okay, okay, okay. And when Crystal was, was it kind of picked the best sprites or, okay. or redid some of the sprites for the Pokemon. Um, that's, that's what I would give that the leg up over right. just saying gold, silver, like Crystal okay. had. It's best. a little bit of an upgrade. It was an upgrade for okay. sure. And, and what I'll say my, my primary reason for picking Pokemon Crystal above any of the other ones, is that how they do the sprites was genius. It was, like, so simplistic and and so good-looking. They had, for every sprite, um, they use white, black, and then two colors. That sounds crazy, cool. right? Cool, yeah. It's a like, little bit. It's like, don't some Pokemon have, like, five colors in them? Right. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think of, of a great example of, like, very colorful Pokemon. Like, hello. I like, literally was thinking yeah. Ho-Oh. ho well. has like green, red, yep. and yellow, I think, at least. A very it. colorful one. Yeah, on top of like the white and black. Mm-hmm. And they did it in just two colors and then a black and a white. Yeah. And it looks like so um, 
sleek and like thematic and simple and really charming. Right. And this is all on the Game Boy Color. Um, so it's probably more of a limitation, but yeah. I think they leaned into it and made it not feel like limitation, made it feel more like charming, like, um, and just really easy to like look at and, mm-hmm. and feel like you're, you can, I don't know, like, like a card you could collect kind of thing. And that's not to discredit, um, the evolution that the Pokemon sprites have become. And now you can just play them on your, you know, TV and they yep. look like awesome and realistic Mm -hmm. but there's something where like i feel like i can't even really judge the pokemon sword and shield sprites as like its art style right it feels kind of like a prop do you know i'm talking about yeah like where we stand at gen 8 in terms of the sprites it feels like yeah yeah. like set dressing like a, a part of the environment yeah i feel like the um what you were kind of describing in the beginning of this was like this you said, I mean, you know, it's it was because of the limitations, obviously. Like, I don't know anything about this game. I've never played the game, but, mm-hmm. like, I, it's kind of just, you know, that's what Nintendo did at the time. And I think, like, the nostalgia we feel sometimes for these more limited game, like, the limited capabilities of these mm-hmm. games, um, all, like, they didn't look the best, but just the nostalgia there um, is something that can't really be replicated today. Or it's difficult to at least. Um, the limitations of these games just made it, it made them like so much more. They they were forced to be clever in the mm-hmm. design. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So there, I think there definitely was some, and you know, you could say on the opposite end today, there's you have capabilities to do anything. So it's all the harder. Mm-hmm. You you could you know argue that these choices make it harder to design a game. Too today. many choices. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I just really applaud these older games that pushed the envelope of what was capable at the time. Right. I mean, it's all about like so you're given limitations. What can you do with it to trick the like the viewer, the the gamer, the player mm-hmm. into not seeing it as like. Oh gosh, I wish I could just be playing my Nintendo 64, you know, right. with three-dimensional characters. Like, how do you make it um a game with great art in its own right? And and I think that's exactly how they did it. And the the region of Johto is also it's just it's awesome in this in a similar way to Earthbound is where I feel like when I walk through the towns, like, oh, this kind of feels like walking through like the neighborhood. Of like my friend's house and like, okay. and you walk into like a market and you you buy things that you want. And as a kid, like you're not used to that freedom. Like it, it's still kind of cool to have a world that feels similar to your own, but gives right. you freedoms that maybe you don't have in real life. Mm-hmm. Or even things like being at um, like the shore and then hopping on your... <laughs> your Lapras or whatever, and then swimming to another town. I mean, yeah. even as an adult, like that, that is a cool sense of freedom yeah. that they do in all the Pokemon games. All the Pokemon games have that kind of like explore the world. However you'd like fly from there and that mm-hmm. and have it be familiar. I like how they did in crystal. Cool. Yeah. Um, I haven't played the game, but um, I'm envisioning it looked pretty similar to leaf green. Perhaps. Sure. I mean, it was it was a generation right behind Leaf yeah. Green. So I think Leaf Green probably felt 
I want to say more rounded, but totally didn't because it's still pixely. But yeah, it's similar to that. Okay. So yeah, just from my experience, that's what I'm envisioning. Mm-hmm. And I, I dig it. Um, I wanted to ask if... Oh, I was also uh, obviously researching Pokemon for this episode because mm-hmm. there's so many art styles that the franchise has gone through. Um, if I read some debates, especially with Diamond and Pearl remakes coming out, mm-hmm. um, about people wanting specifically a Heart Gold remake uh, versus, um, I don't know, just moving past those older games. Sure. W- what do you think? Because like it, it, do you feel like it's outdated today, or does it ca- kind of carry a timelessness to it? I guess is where I'm getting at. Right. Um, so what I think people really like about Johto Gen Two, Crystal, or Heart Gold Soul Silver is it's like the double album video game, right? Because you're in Johto, yeah. and then when you beat Johto, you go into Kanto. Mm-hmm. And it has the Gen 1 Pokemon, which everyone loves. I mean, right. maybe you have a f- different favorite generation, but ever like, you know, if we take a, a poll right now, yeah. Gen 1's going to win, and it, and it had a great selection of Pokemon. Um, and then Gen 2 built on top of it, and they didn't really try to outdo... I'm just going to keep talking. I, I, I mean, I love talking about <laughs> no, Gen yeah, 2. No, yeah, do it. Pokemon. Go for it. Um, and what they did with Gen 2 is they were like, we're not going to try to make better Pokemon than Gen 1. We're not going to like just make them better and better. We're going to make him, we're going to make them fun, right? And and they they introduced like a bunch of like novelty Pokemon just not to be like, who has the strongest Pokemon? It's mm-hmm. like, what would be fun to collect? And with that, you get, you get like, you get like, um, Wobbuffet, which is the punching bag yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> so when you when you punch Wobbuffet, it does the same damage back to you. It's a total gimmick. You get like um Togepi, which is just to introduce the egg. Like they give you an egg okay, and then yeah. the pop, you know, the head comes open and now you have mm-hmm. that Pokemon. And the unknowns, which you literally just right. collect to spell your name in the box. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and with that Is that why they put them in there? No, and no, I mean there's like there's lore, thing. there's lore right. to it, and it was pretty cool because Pokemon, they they're getting more lore heavy as it goes on, but I feel like early on yeah. there wasn't a lot of like, you know, in the game it wasn't like these Pokemon descended from this to mm-hmm. defeat these guys. The unknown right. was like you go into the cave of unknowns, yeah, and it's very mysterious. Why are these Pokemon just letters? Why do they only know hidden power? Right. Um. They ha- the- they have the same thing in Diamond, right? With the cave, I do remember this. Probably. Yeah, I think there's unknown caves in other games too. I forget how they do it in um, Gen 4. Um, So with that, basically with all those combinations of features, they just really nailed the formula with Gen 2. And then then for the remakes, I mean, the Pokemon follows you. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally have not played all the way through SoulSilver and HeartGold. The like Pikachu Go, is that's the remake or? No, no. So they do that. They do it in that game too, where like the Pokemon. Okay, wait, what's around. the remake? So, so Heart Gold and Soul Silver is the remake of Silver and Gold. Okay, got it. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that. Okay, so where? Okay, just yeah, yeah. just for my and maybe some of the listeners' sure. clarification, Heart Gold and Soul Silver was on the Game Boy. It was for the DS. The okay, first- so the original was the Game Boy. Yes. I, I'm asking. Yeah, not, yeah I got you. I got you. Okay. So the original, yeah, was Game Boy Color. It was Gen Two. Okay. It was, um, it was Gold, Silver, and Crystal. Then they remade it. It cool. was on the DS. Um, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, and people love 
those games. Like some people okay. consider that those games are the best Pokemon games. Some people would say. Okay. I mean, I have friends who would agree. I personally have not played through the games, so I can't really like vouch for if I think they are better made games. Um, but I love Gen 2 Pokemon. Okay. And, and I think Johto is a great region. Now, to answer your question finally about Do we if, want <laughs> if we need a second Gen 2 remake. A modern remaster. I'm going to say probably not. Okay. Right? Because, <laughs> <you> have it. <laughs> I mean, how many times do we do we need to see Kanto again? Like, oh, here's what I'll say. What would maybe it's, be it's cool. It's what the people want. That's <laughs> what people want. <laughs> what would maybe be cool is if they had to remake Heart Gold Soul Silver. Okay. Effectively being the second remake. Mm-hmm. Make it 3D, make it in the style of Sword and Shield. Yep. Um, but instead of going into Kanto, it's like, please, like, we obviously we all love Kanto. I do not need to go back to Kanto. Yep. Right. How many times has Kanto been in a main game? A lot of times. A, a heck of a lot of times. Cause the um because it's effectively that's been remade twice, I'm pretty sure. If I'm counting right. We had Gen Don't One. <laughs> we had Gen One. Okay. So we had we had red, blue, and yellow. Yep. And then we had um then we had Leaf Green and Fire Red. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's the first remake. And then we had the Let's Go games. Let's okay. go, Eevee. Let's go, Pikachu. Yep. Those were the second remakes. So I'm guessing people it. are thinking, oh, let's do the same treatment for Gen 2. Yeah. But then it's a double game. So you go into Kanto. So why right. would we go into Kanto again when we've just been in Kanto? So you're not about it. They would. They couldn't truly remake the game. I think they could, but then they would have to... Here's what I would like to see. You beat Johto. Instead of then going into Kanto, go into... Hoenn or something like that probably would that do okay switch it up a little bit switch it up a little bit and that would be basically like redefining the game like because yeah. the story's gonna be completely different then play with those expectations I would I mean if they that would be the biggest like, I think it'd be a little unlike Game Freak to yeah. throw someone off to throw them off that hard I mean that's a yeah but be, that, would, that would be such an epic gamer moment that would be an epic gamer moment to say <laughs> the least if if the whole world is playing this game thinking they just beat Johto and they're about to go into Kanto <laughs> and they get dropped off in Hoenn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would blow my mind. Um, so that that is my argument. Okay. If they did have cool. to do the second remake, they got to switch it up hard, like hard left turn. Yep. And then I'd be okay with it. That'd be cool. Okay. Um, <laughs> we've actually been talking for... 45 minutes in I didn't even realize That's I, amazing. Thought, I thought this was going to be a slow episode but take us away I guess you're hosting alright well how about let's go on a short little break and then come right back alright see you soon welcome to our new podcast welcome to our new podcast This isn't working. Agreed. I think we're going to have to do it turn by turn. Well, now that you mention it, we are a brand new RPG video game podcast. Our very existence hinges on turn-based gaming. So join us on the Turn by Turn podcast, where we'll be talking about Pokemon, Fire Emblem, Golden Sun, Shining Force, Mother, and so many more. It's your turn to come and join us. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hi there, I'm David. And I'm Kate. And we're the hosts of another Zelda podcast. There are so many good podcasts out there, and some of them in particular concern The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> That's right, Kate, and we are another one of them. we That is actually the name of our show, Another yes. Zelda Podcast. And in our show in particular, we talk about some of our favorite dungeons, characters, boss battles. We have top ten lists. Yeah, we do deep dives on game design and production aspects of the different Zelda games. And we talk about our own experiences. We do some review episodes, talk about our challenges, our struggles, and our victories. That's right. You know, really just almost anything that has to do with Zelda, we like to talk about it. A new episode comes out every other Friday, and you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and YouTube. And you can also check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. That's right. All right, we will see you there. Okay, bye! And we're back. All right, so I just gave my number three. Uh, we chatted a little bit about Pokemon Crystal remake ideas. We kept going for another hour after we paused for them. <laughs> just, just screaming at each other over which yeah. second remake needs to be done. Um, Essentially. But now on to your number three. My number three. Uh, you already said it, Earthbound, but I grouped it in with... Um, um, which uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, which I thought kind of looked similar. That is an extremely bold thing you just did. You, but you I disagree. Take it. Um, okay, I'm going to speak mostly on Earthbound. Okay. But, okay. Um, but oh, I also compared it to a Link to the Past. I wrote the abbreviation, mm. and it took me a second to figure out which. So game you that was. grouped Earthbound, Link to the Past, and Diamond and I, Pearl. I agree. Diamond and Pearl is a stretch. Um, okay. Mostly, it's mostly mostly Earthbound. I'm okay. talking about. Okay. Uh, I think a Link to the Past also looks very similar. No, sure. I don't think it. I know they they share many assets. Sure. So they are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. But I'll be talking about Earthbound primarily just to make it easier to okay. uh, focus on a single game. Um, I mean, you were you already said most of it. Kind of a minimalist style, um, which. Ooh, I said, like, w- was a regression from what was possible at the time. But um, com- you wouldn't play Final Fantasy VI today. You know, it would look cheap. Maybe people would play today. But it- it's not going to hold up the way it did. And it's not going to hold up nearly as well as Earthbound did. Because okay. I feel like this is... Do you disagree? I have played both of those games as of last year. <laughs> Okay. Well, well, then you can speak on it. Okay. Do, I mean, am I right in saying this? I feel like Earthbound is a more timeless style. I will say that I probably would pick... No, not probably. I would pick Earthbound over it. Okay. Um, over Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. Final Fantasy VI was the last top-down, like, you know... 2D pixely mm-hmm. Final Fantasy game before they went to Final Fantasy 7 which was like you know the yeah. polygons um, so they were at their like peak of that style now if you're saying oh does it hold up compared to like Final Fantasy 7 remake then it's like really depends on who you're asking right I think generally people are gonna prefer playing as characters that look like humans rather than like you know okay. pixely characters that's that is um, a so philosophical debate. Are you disagreeing debate. with me here? <laughs> I think both those games look amazing. Okay. Um, I think Final Fantasy One looks kind of dated. Sure, and that, that's that's as much as you'll get out of me. I think. Okay, to be frank, I have not played any Final Fantasy games. All right. ever. Sure. Uh, 
JRPGs generally aren't really my thing, but I'm really enjoying Earthbound. And I'll say, and I want I I held it earlier. Um, I'll say that I think, and you were speaking a little on this. I think I like Earthbound to such an extent more than Pokemon, despite their similarities, and perhaps Final Fantasy, although I haven't played it, because of its like weird quirkiness, mm-hmm. where like. Pokemon is like every battle feels repetitive to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, whatever. There's different strategies for different types and whatever. We don't have to get into that. But like not only the characters you're fighting against in Earthbound, but like their movesets are so unique and quirky and funny that it's like always keeping you on your toes and you always want to see what's going to come next. Like what other crazy thing are they going to throw at me? We're like... Pokemon doesn't really feel like there's anything unexpected in it. At sure. least at this point for me, having played yeah. so many save files of Pokemon. Um, but yeah, nothing to really do with the style, I guess. But although I mean like the the hippies and whatever in the game, they're, yeah. it's, it's a very funny style, the sprites that they have. Well, I, I think a good way of articulating that thought is Earthbound is very self-aware yeah. of what it is. Okay. Almost in a literal way where they reference like, what do they say? They say like, oh, like you can thank, you can thank ape developer for creating me yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. And then Pokemon, hate to break it to everyone, very not self-aware. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I'd say at, you know, first priority is it's to make, you know, kids happy and make the dialogue very, under, very understandable and sure. translate well. So you run into like camper Jim or something the boy who's camping and he goes you knocked over my water right yeah it's like that it's not very yeah exactly unexpected that earthbound is like yum I'm eating so much garlic I'm powerful now literally uh and they'll be like like I don't even know like the the foe whatever their name may be like creeped forward or like sneezed or something instead of attacking like right. just something silly that doesn't make any sense like, yeah but it it brings you into the reality of it because people sneeze in real life. I don't mm-hmm. know if they actually sneeze in the game, but like that's just an, something like that. Right, I right, don't right. remember the exact lines that they use. But um, um, I was go- okay. Yeah, you were saying the local is well. You didn't say localization specifically, but I think that's what, kind of what you're getting at. Um, I remember reading like Earthbound's localization was like the most expensive localization of any game of the time. Um, so it, it kind of allowed the like American ad- adaptation of it to carry that same sense of humor that maybe like mm. Pokemon keeps it simple for the sake of yeah. translation mm-hmm. Earthbound did not they just mm-hmm. heavily invested into translating like the style I guess of this game into English as best as they could that's interesting for and I'm, I'm assuming it's because like irony is a very sp- specific kind of humor yeah and it and then cross languages, it might be difficult to read right. it. So you kind of have to cater it towards the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, Pokemon foregoes that things are not ironic in the Pokemon world. Yeah, right. Usually not. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then in Earthbound, that's everything is ironic. Yeah. And so that's interesting. I mean, it makes total sense. I think that is the only way they could have done that kind of you know dialogue and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and I mean, besides that. I don't really have a whole lot to add to it. I think we've talked for quite a while on Earthbound by now. Uh, we both agree it's a very um, 
don't know, not unique. It's a little unique. But uh, what's the term? Okay. Uh, I don't know if this is correct, but the viewpoint I read may be, might be like isometric, where it's like on an angle, top down type, th- like not an angle uh, uh, on like a horizontal field, like it's hmm. diagonal instead of like Pokemon. You're. It's not on a diet. You know what I mean? Like the ro- okay. the roads and the buildings you're seeing from like a diagonal viewpoint in mm, Earthbound. Interesting. Yeah. So I, it's a little unique in that way. That No, that is interesting. I guess I never thought of it as like an isometric viewpoint because I, when I think isometric, I picture like you are looking at them at a diagonal. Yeah, I don't know if isometric is the correct term. But I, that's know. a good point though, is that things are... They have like a diagonal viewpoint, and yeah. Whereas Pokemon, um, you're looking like head on, right, right, and you go up and down, yeah, and that's how yep, things yep, are made. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I, I also last thing I'll say, spill it. Uh, I think the buses are so cool. So when, cool. when you go yes. on buses between towns, um, it's so it's very goofy because they'll they'll be going like south on the diagonal and then they'll turn east and it's just like there's only two like sprays for the bus so it's like there'll be like it'll be the southern facing bus and then it'll just automatically switch to like the eastward moving bus like it's teleporting or something yeah exactly it's kind of goofy and if it's i mean it's the you know it was made so many years ago but uh i love the buses um i love being able to go through the towns like there's just a sort of adventure that i feel like other games um like even i think there is a is there a boat in leaf green or was it diagonal that sure yeah yeah and there's a boat it'll it'll kind of just bring you to the island automatically you don't watch the boat maybe there's a little video or whatever of like the boats treading along the water but you don't like watch it move from the one area to the next right sure which earthbound like does on the bus which i i think is just very it it really brings you into like the realism of the game, I guess. It's immersive. Yeah. You know, to feel like you're actually being transported. Yeah. So I guess that kind of might be a style art style holistic choice, maybe, perhaps. Maybe a little of a stretch there. <laughs> I don't have much else to say. Thank you. So that's all I have. Very good. Well, you make me feel bad for having it only at number four for me. Um, but I, I agree with those points entirely. Yeah. Um, so is that on to my number two pick now? Uh, yes, it would be. So if our viewers haven't figured it out before, I think they're going to really figure out what my favorite Nintendo games are just by these lists. Because <laughs> as I made this, I was like, oh, I have to include that game. I have to include this game, even though we talked about it so much. Right. Um, so now, um, to no surprise, I have Super Metroid and my number two. Okay. And I've always defended this. Ever since playing the game, I, w- I said, this game um, is is the most amazing... Well, I can't be the most amazing because it's only my number two pick. But, I, <laughs> but it is the second one of amazing. the second most amazing <laughs> looking game I've, made, I've played by Nintendo. Sure. And so, to be fair... Um, I have pretty. I've only played Super Metroid through the Switch's virtual console, and that has like that high definition. Like it's it's very clear the the imagery. Like it's mm-hmm. it's bright colors. Um, I guess it's high definition if it's virtual console. Not sure. Um, the fancy terminology. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't know exactly. Yeah, would. but um, 
I think that probably gave it an advantage to how it looks. Um, but nonetheless, what, what's amazing about it is that for Nintendo, um, they've they pretty much steer clear from like freaky imagery, right? Yeah, I I think they never the they never want you to be like too scared. Now there are games that that is kind of the focus, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. like even though I haven't played through it, Majora's Mask right. is meant to have that kind of imagery. Obviously, the Metroid games, mm-hmm. and and then maybe like Luigi's Mansion, but yeah, Luigi's Mansion is it. like is like boo ghosts, like cute, right? And then what what. I think kept me away from the Metroid series as a kid was was that freaky imagery thinking like, oh, this okay. might be like too much for me to handle. Like it's dark. I mean, I was um, when I was a kid, like Metroid Prime was the game that was out. That was right. like, the big game. Yep. And I played the demo for it. And I was like, it's kind of dark. And like, I don't know if I want aliens like coming in to kill me. Yeah. Right. I So I avoided it. Um, but then Super Metroid... I mean, it's like awesome, like saturated purple aliens that mm-hmm. like that like walk in this like stiff way or like bugs like swooping down like green, you know, like right. creepy looking things that come swooping in. And um, and then each terrain, like, you know, each part of the planet. I'm totally forgetting what planet it's like Zebus. Um, yeah, I don't know how you say any of them. Yeah. So Zebus well, sounds right. Sounds right. I mean, someone's going to correct me. That's fine. Um, Zebes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just say it wrong on purpose. Exactly. Each each terrain is is built uniquely, and it's it's cool because of course with the Super Nintendo era, there's so there's so much limitation, you know, a, as to what we understand now. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like that at all for Super Nin- for for Super Metroid. Okay. Um, because you're in one part and it feels like very lava and dark and it's like glowing. Sure. But also, dark, like, you know, it has that, like, cool lighting effect. And then you're in another area, and it's, like, flowery, and it's, like, bright, and it looks happy. Right. Like, a, like kind of, like, almost a, an underground meadow. And then you'll be in, like, another area, and then there's, like, crystals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you just explore and explore, and you feel like you've genuinely seen, like, everything that could possibly be on some foreign planet. Um and they do all of that in 1994. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's it's a very impressive game. Um, the I was going back and forth, on, back and forth on this one. I think it was almost my number five. Um, I guess Link's Awakening for the Switch nearly beat it out, but I don't know. Like, it's a very impressive game. I loved playing it, but I don't know if the art style per se stood out to me in that way. Um, I will say though, and I think I've said this on the podcast before when we had our Metroid episode, playing, or the Metroid Prime episode, playing Metroid and then playing Metroid Prime right after, like one right after the other, really, really makes Metroid Prime look good. (laughs) That's valid. Yeah, It makes it look like a very good game. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do agree with you. It's, It's high up there. It was almost on my list, but... Um, compared to my other games on my list, I I don't feel like it reaches that threshold. I am surprised it's so high for you. I know you like the game a lot, but uh, I I respect it. I guess. Sure, uh, I I knew that was about as much as I was going to get out of you because we've actually had this argument before. 
Yeah. Um, uh, going back and forth on this. I, I remember, I'm just going to call you out. We were having a discussion where we were trying to debate if Metroid Prime was the better looking game over Super Metroid. Okay. <laughs> and Metroid Prime has like the different kind of immersion where you can like, you know, look all around and explore. And it feels like, all right, this is how I would try to like explore a room. Mm-hmm. And Super Metroid, you know, Metroidvania style. It's, um, you know, I'm going to throw that in as part of as part of my argument. That Metroidvania open world art style helps with the immersion because, you know, it feels like a puzzle, but also like that is the planet. Like okay. it's how you begin to understand planet. Like sometimes you have to like, you go through an area and then you backtrack and you become familiar and sometimes you get stuck in one area, but it... Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um but it ultimately feels like unified in some way, um, which is hard to pull off when you have such diversity in the terrain. Um, that's how I see it. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I think I the the upcoming Metroid Dread game, mm-hmm. I think looks beautiful. And I, I honestly think if I did have a Metroid game on my list, even though it didn't even come out yet, <laughs> that might be on there. Uh, I think I... I'm planning to buy this game. It comes out in a month as of recording this. Uh, and I think I'm going to fall in love with the game because it, it really looks beautiful. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Metroid Prime, I don't really have much else to add. But I respect it being on your list, I guess. Cool. All right. Well, I'll take what I can get. Okay. What do you got for number two? Um. Okay. If this isn't your number one. I'm going to be upset because I know you love this art style because you've talked about it so much. I already know what you picked. Okay. Well, tell the, tell, uh, tell Pikmin the listeners. 3. Oh, that's the looks. No. <laughs> is that not what you thought? <laughs> no. What's the Mario game? Oh, is it Origami King? I don't, I don't know. What, what are you referring to? When it, it was... Oh, I'm talking about Origami King. I thought you were picking a Mario game for, for this one in my head. I think I misremembered your explanation. No, Origami King was my number four. Okay, I just I did not see Pikmin three coming. Honestly, oh. I didn't even. Well, I, don't, you, I won't. I won't okay. spoil your number two pick. <laughs> I I'm sorry, I laughed. Please explain to the viewers. Well, now it now it seems like it's not your number one, and I'm gonna be pretty upset if it's, if you say a number one that isn't Pikmin three because you. Oh, have, it's no, it's not. It's not. You've literally Pikmin. gone on on and on about just staring at these fruit in the game. The fruit looks so good in that How, game. Yeah, is it not even on your list? No, that's, that's a good argument. I'm starting to understand maybe how you arrived at Pikmin. Okay, go ahead. This game is like literally beautiful. Like it's it's by all means like uh, made for a younger audience. Let's say that. Um, but I was so drawn into this game. I almost want to play the first and second game although I know they're kind of different experiences just based on playing this third game um I I'll say that I'm talking about the this like the switch version because sure. there, there's it came out on I think the Wii the originally. Wii U it was the Wii U yeah okay and you know that one doesn't look quite as good this is pick me three deluxe I'm talking about sure um the scenes look like I don't want to say Highly realistic because you could tell it's a you know it's not real. I mean these are like miniature, honey I shrunk the kids characters <laughs> inside like what could be Earth perhaps. It seems like a dystopian future. Mm-hmm. There's like technology thrown about um, for those who haven't played this game, but 
it it looks realistic when you are immersed in the game when you're playing mm-hmm. and and then suddenly you notice you just stop and you're like whoa that looks that's pretty like the <laughs> you know the scenario in mm-hmm. front of you um like how did they make this um in the same sense it has that like what I was talking about I I guess a little bit with Link's Awakening Paper Mario where the characters themselves look a little almost like Play-Doh or Claymation type stuff. Um, So it's like you get this deep contrast of toys, toy-looking characters, clay-looking characters, and this like highly realistic, like quote-unquote, surrounding, which, I don't know, it just... I guess the the realism of your setting brings you into the game to a a higher extent than than if the whole world was like this claymation style you know what i mean uh, no I, <laughs> any sort of response i, I sort of know what you mean i want some validation here <laughs> i can sort of validate this i i just did not see it coming for you and i'm thinking about <laughs> the things that i liked about the art style for it um and in my head what makes the art style great is like the creatures of it. Like I think okay. like it's a really iconic design, how they okay. how they did like, you know, like the big eye monsters. Yeah. Um, that aren't like conventionally scary, but maybe right. how they depict them makes yeah. you feel um, you know, like they are a monster. And mm-hmm. then of course the like design of the the Pikmin themselves is pretty iconic. Like how do you do a plant alien? Right. That's not yeah. like freaky or or like, you know, unrelatable or something. And and then like how you said, the fruit, the renderings of the yeah. fruit <laughs> is ten out of ten. Every single every single piece of fruit. Yeah. Down to the the funny names they give it. Perfected. Right. Now, um what oh, first, so real quick, for those who haven't played the game, you you, you collect fruit throughout the game. Yes. So um the these fruit I would say look pretty freaking realistic, right? <laughs> like, yes, they're yeah. they're very cool. They're like hyper realistic. Yeah, like I can't imagine how much time they put into these <laughs> these renderings. And then once you collect the fruit, you're allowed at once you finish the level, you could spin the fruit around and look at all yeah, all exactly. sides of it. Yep. And that's just their way of being like, we nailed this fruit. Check it out. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. yeah. It does, that is exactly what it feels like. There's no other reason for. It. For them to allow you to, I guess, rotate the fruit yeah. by itself <laughs> after each level. It's just like, yeah. It's just like, look how much butt we kicked making this game. Right. I think I said <laughs> it in the Pikmin episode, but my girlfriend would be like, all right, just, just spin through the fruit if you're going to do that. So get we can go. It. Yeah, yeah, just get over it. Um, but where the disconnect is, where I did not really see it as a candidate for my placement, is that I don't, I don't see the world as being. Um, particularly unique. I hate I hate to give any kind of pessimism to the game. Okay, and and I don't even see that as a more like I don't see it as a negative aspect to it. I don't think that's what they were going for. I I think that they make it like I don't want to say sandbox, but kind of like a, oh you're in like this like playpen and you are timed and you have to get from here to there, mm-hmm. figure out how to do it. Okay. before your your people die. Yeah, that's what I think the draw is. And they kind of like, oh, here's a wall, right? You know, break down the wall. 
or he, you know, here's here's grass, like here's a river. Okay. I think they did what they needed to do and didn't really try to do that aspect of it, like the map, the world. I don't think they tried to build that in a particularly unique way. Okay. Yeah, I well, I'll rebuttal that I think it's unique. Like I said, the whole like honey, I shrink the kids thing where like you're not playing any other game where you're like where like a patch of grass or a little divot in the dirt seems like this whole huge setting, you mm-hmm. know? I think that's very unique. Like this whole miniature character in a like a real life-sized world, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to well I I haven't played Minish Cap, but I know there's some shrinking in that one. Okay. Um I don't know how similar that might be. Hopefully I'll play the game soon. But that's really the only thing I can think of. I think it's pretty unique. Okay. I mean, I I like the uh the astronaut guys. Olimar and all of them. Okay. Um Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be a downer. Okay. But well, I mean, you seem to like the characters, but I'm more focused on I think these settings are just insanely like they must have put so much time into making these. It's beautiful. I think any direction you look in this game, the the you were saying earlier, the lighting I think is beautiful, especially because sure. it's this nature lighting. You're outside for the game. Um, I it's it has been a while, so I I can't. I want to like say the reflections were also look pretty impressive, okay. but um, I don't like know. in the water. Yeah. Okay. Um, shadows. I don't know. It it felt very realistic with having these. Obviously, very unrealistic characters. Hmm. Well, I will accept that that is your opinion. <laughs> okay. I feel like we have a lot of that today. <laughs> <laughs> it is fair. It's fair. Uh, this is pretty opinion-based, I guess, this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot, it's hard to be like, oh, why don't you like that, you know, visual depiction as much uh, as me? Yeah. I think we've had... <clears throat> agreements? Well, you, you didn't get into Super Metroid as much. Alright, so these are just controversial number two picks. I guess so. I see it. Yeah, it seems like it. But I, I did not think this would be controversial for you. I thought you loved this game. <laughs> like I do. I game. do. I just never considered like its art style as, as much of a draw whereas okay. maybe Super Metroid, I was playing it and I was like oh, I, I want to explore the world just to see like what's next like what is it going to show me next okay i feel the exact opposite okay all right <laughs> you feel exact opposite that will be fun for the end of this yeah yeah we... okay now i'm really curious what like you would never i mean it, i want to say like sword and shield but i hope it's not no okay. no i mean i i thought um i had a great time playing that game playing sword and shield and i think it looks great too I wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't pick Gen Eight art style as anywhere near my number one because, as yeah. I kind of said, like, like I put Pokemon Crystal. I put a Game Boy mm-hmm. one ahead of that because that was its own shade of uniqueness. Um, I don't. I don't want to. I don't right. want to dwell. Uh, I think for like, I feel like for their capabilities. I was just like, at the time, we are. this is pretty long if we want cool. to speed up the rest of this episode. But um, I'll just say real quick, I, I feel like with Sword and Shield, although it's not your number one pick, I just want to say real quick, like they had, I really hope Arceus nails what this one didn't because they for their capabilities, like it should have looked so much better. Like, yeah, 
Breath of the Wild came five years earlier and it or four years earlier or whatever, and it obviously looks better. Like if you put I mean, I've seen like side by side of like the grass and the trees and whatever, and mm. like it's just like silly. Like it feels like such a sloppy style. I don't know. It could have been a very high scale game. Yeah. You know, Sword and Shield, it could have been really big in scope. Um and they chose not to do that, probably in favor of like that traditionally small scale you know, explore the town type mm-hmm. of um, Pokemon game. Um, and I think they didn't have to do that. Uh, it's a lot, it's a, you know, popular criticism. They could have had like voice acting and like the open world yeah. could have been like really smooth. Instead, you kind of walk and then the blizzard starts and you mm-hmm. walk away. Exactly. Yep. starts. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just and, a Pokemon style. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it is. I mean, that's always kind of how Pokemon was. Like you yeah. step away and then the, the sandstorm goes away. Yeah, Whatever. Fair enough. Uh, okay, hit us with it. Number one. My number one pick. Oh boy. Is Yoshi's Island. Yep. Oh my god. For the record, Jake's jaw dropped, and I knew it would because I'm not even sure if I've talked about this game. Yeah. Before in our in our um, episodes, you've told me this is your favorite Yoshi game. Sure. But um. Um, okay, whatever. I'll let you talk. Go. Okay. <laughs> I, I've i always defended this as probably just like the best art style in a video game. Okay. Take Nintendo out of this. Okay. Any this, video game, this is number one? Probably of what any video game, this is number one. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'll say I've never played this one, but I, it's another one on my list. Sure. So... I have a couple fun facts for okay. this. And I, and I think if I if I give a brief history of the development of this game, um, it'll help you understand why this deserves its number one pick. So um, a little bit before Yoshi's Island came out, we had Donkey Kong Country, which did very well. And its graphics were considered to be like the future right, right. there. It had, um, I believe the, the term is pre-rendered graphics. Okay. Um, where it was just like, pretty detailed like very like very detailed and it was right. and it was entering into the world of 3D graphics while mm-hmm. still being the 2D platformer and and it was crazy for its time like it was a huge yep. advancement and that's the direction that Nintendo wanted to keep going okay they were like do the pre-rendered graphics um don't have it be flat anymore mm-hmm. like give that give some dimension to the game that's what people are obviously wanting because Donkey Kong Country did so well yeah, wait, can I ask real quick? Yes. I, um, I was trying to find pictures of this game because I've never played it. Um, it seems like there's multiple versions. Okay. They re-released it a few times. Which okay. one are you referring to? Yoshi's Island. So the Yoshi's Island that I grew up um, with was the Game Boy Advanced Checks out. version. Um, it was originally for the Super Nintendo in 1995, and then I believe the Game Boy Advance version was like 2002. So that's when I played. Um, I was a kid, and I got it like when it came out. Basically, um, I recognize that that some other people um, would play it on the TV. I've I've only played it, you know, on the mobile. But I still, I mean, I think it just the the style speaks for itself, whether you're playing it, you know, on a TV or not. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. Uh, <laughs> I see where you're coming from. And especially growing up with the game, maybe if I played the game, I, sure. I would feel more like a, it, it's a cute, like, like it looks almost hand drawn. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. So they wanted to make a game for Yoshi. Now there's been Yoshi games before, but not like a like a 2D platformer proper game. Mm-hmm. Like that, like a non-puzzle Yoshi game, okay. right? And Super Mario World did so well, so they were like, let's do Super Mario World two. It's gonna right, be right. it's gonna be a prequel, so it's gonna be like canonically part of the Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. Mario is a baby. And Yoshi is is like effectively the character you're using. Yep. Now to distinguish it as like this is a Yoshi game, they were like, we have to figure out what is Yoshi's aesthetic. What yeah. you know that we know Mario's aesthetic. What what makes it a Yoshi game? And and like I was saying, um, they wanted to, to uh, contrast against the wishes of other you know people at Nintendo the style that Donkey Kong Country was going for. Mm-hmm. And they want it to be super flat. And Baby Mario is a character in the game. And it makes sense because this is, it's very like crayon, hand-drawn, like um, more of a juvenile approach. Mm-hmm. And you're right. They they hand drew it. Oh, wow. And then scanned it. Wow. And then drew it again pixel by pixel digitally. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. So they had each, they literally... I'm no programmer, but they did right, each yeah. pixel to match up the hand drawing. And that's how they got that, you know, hand drawn look, cool. which was, you know, it sounds very tedious. Now I know that um, other games did that like pixel by pixel effect, yeah. but not, you know, to a scanned image necessarily. Um, and now in, in terms of the imagery, it's, it's pastel colors. It's very cartoony. It's colorful and it feels like a crayon. Mm-hmm. And, for a 1995 game to be able to reflect other kinds of media, even if the media is as simple as crayon drawings, yeah, that's difficult. And right. and to get the thumbs up, you know, from the people who are approving your game, Absolutely. from the big guys at Nintendo, yeah. the thumbs up a crayon game, <laughs> that's you know un- unfathomable. You you see like Donkey Kong, you know, who who's very like three dimensional. Mm-hmm. In Donkey Kong Country, you played a bit of it, haven't you? I have played right. it. Right, and Not then a huge fan. and then to go back <laughs> and have it be as flat as that, um, it's very bold, and I, I'm all for it. I mean, I don't think this imagery we've really seen ever since the the game came out. Um, I haven't played a lot of the other Yoshi games, um, but Woolies were like you know Woolly World and those other games that have like that u- unique approach. I mean, they're all borrowing from that idea of of bold imagery, right. like how we see in Yoshi's yeah. Island. Okay, um, I just saw a few pictures, so cool. <laughs> I don't know if I can say a whole lot. But um, I yeah, I can see if I play this game, I think it could be up there for me as well. I it's very original. You're not seeing a lot of crayony looking games. No, so. It is super cool, and it it does fit my vision of Yoshi. Like if, yeah. if I'm thinking of Yoshi, this is like this style is. I I don't want to say expected because I've, uh, you know, I wouldn't have guessed that if mm-hmm. I hadn't just looked it up. It makes sense, but it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it especially does. when it's Yoshi and Baby Mario. Yeah, it's like it, of course it looks like that, right. but you would have never guessed, and you would you know. They proved it. That's that's mind blowing. In '95, you have a crayon game. So that's that's pretty much all I got to say. It's a great game. I I haven't played it in like a super long time. I don't even Fair know enough. how long. It's, okay, but it's always stuck with me, and I think that's it's saying a lot as it is. Um, well, I I'm very excited to hear what your number one pick is. 
I I'm sure you know it. <laughs> I'm sure I know it. I I I cannot guess it though. Um Zelda Breath of the Wild would be wow. the What do you mean wow? Number 1. Okay. Is it sarcasm? <laughs> no, I mean I I don't know. I guess because um you didn't give me that much disapproval when I only had it at number 5. Well, um it's a Zelda game. It is. And a, it I, is for I, sure. I, I know game. you enjoy Zelda, but you're not huge on it. Sure. So I was happy it was on there. And I'm especially happy it's on there and Sword isn't. Sword and Shield isn't. <laughs> you were thinking I was going to have Sword and Shield at number one? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I said, like, I hope it's not, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, so thank you for not doing that. And you're welcome. Um, I do feel a little cheeky for having Breath of the Wild at number one, but I also don't feel all that cheeky because it's, it's not just my opinion. I've like this has been said by a lot of people. I feel like like this is a beautiful game. Like, right. Every review talks about how beautiful this game is. Um, I mean, we've talked about this on this podcast by now, but like you could look, you could go to the top of any mountain in this game and look at the horizon, and it's just freaking yep. beautiful. Like it's stunning. The, okay, so let me draw it back a little bit, and I'll try to be quick with this. But Breath of the Wild has this sort of water painting look to it um, that it, it looks realistic to an extent, but then everything looks a little flat. So it, in the same sense, it's not all that realistic. Um, I, I did do a little bit of research into this. So the style is cell shading, which is used pretty commonly in these 3D games, um, especially like... Um, like JRPGs tend to use this kind of thing. Um, so essentially what cell shading is, and I'm not a video game designer, so I don't, I don't know all the technical details, but they'll make like a black outline, like 3D outline of the assets and then put the flat colors over it on top of this outline and then put the shadows on top of the flat so essentially it has like these really dark outlines, but flat colors and minimal shading, I guess. Um, again, I don't I don't know the terminology or whatever, but um, it's just a very pretty and unique style that I just like, I feel like it's very beautiful. Um, it's also fairly detailed. Uh, I know like the Switch isn't the most powerful system, let alone like the Wii U that it originally came out on so there are like assets that will again i don't know like the terminology but like will appear as you walk like you can see trees sprouting up and whatever so that does kind of take you out of the immersion sometimes but uh at the same time you could edit some slack because it's so detailed with like grass waving in the winds and um i mean the the what's the town when we had the towns episode we were talking about the the sort of beach town that was like um, Wind Waker-esque. Uh, it's just like, it feels so homey and comfortable. And like, it's it's something that could like only be achieved with like this style of like extent of realism, I guess. But while maintaining like that fantasy aspect to it where it's not entirely realistic. Um, and they said about this game that, that was, this choice was also used to make like the more complicated mechanics of the game easier to understand like by by not being hyper realistic 
Um, it kind of just made things easier to understand at a glance. Like you would know how a con- whatever like concept works just by looking at it most of the time. Um, so I think that's pretty cool as well. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you we said a lot in the beginning, but it's just a pretty game. If it it keeps you wanting to look for more. Like you, I guess you were saying with Super Metroid, but on a bigger scale, I guess. <laughs> sure. Um, there's so many unique areas and like attributes to these different sections of the map that are like achieved through this art style. Uh, that just makes you like keep wondering what you'll see next. Like how, I don't know. It's just such, such a great game. <laughs> no, I'll give that to you because that is, I guess, what motivated me to continue exploring the world was how the world felt, you know, that, yeah. and, and that's such a great part of the game is, is exploring the world right there. And, um, and if I felt like it was maybe too unbelievable or unrewarding, mm-hmm. the visual style, then that kind of takes out the whole, you know, secret sauce of the game is right. like what's on the other side of the mountain. Yeah. If it felt unfulfilling, then there goes the game. But I think that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And, um, like going off of that, I saw, videos in my research of gameplay without the cell shading now i like they must have used some sort of rom i don't know like how they did this but like youtube has some crazy stuff so it's essentially the game without like it it looked like pretty realistic like skyrim but if it was made Hmm. 10 years later Mm -hmm. or whatever um it 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 loses that like nintendo feel to it Mm -hmm. without the cell shading like it it feels darker even though it's not really it feels like i don't know it, it yeah i don't know how else to describe it besides mm-hmm. like the, you know what i'm saying when i say the nintendo mm-hmm. style I, it feels like a bit cartoony cart- a bit cartoony yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah it wouldn't have been the same game without the cell shading which i i mean I don't know. I don't know where I'm really going here, but uh, if if you have time, like look up that video. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> but but cool. I'm just saying it, it's not better. It looks very cool, but it. I think they really pick the optimal style for this game for like an open world adventure game. Um, I really love it. I don't know what else to say. I'm really excited for Breath of the Wild too, and and hopefully they even build on the style and make it look even better. Right. I mean, if if you're right, and that this is like what was meant to be the baseline of Zelda moving onward. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine like what, you know, a sequel would include. Um, So with that, also one final thought that I I really did want to include about Pokemon Crystal, my number three pick was that um, in terms of the Pokemon designs, which is a crucial part of the art style for that game is that um, I, how I see the two big criticisms that Pokemon was receiving in their Pokemon design after maybe like Gen 3 was that they were kind of entering like a Digimon era Mm -hmm. where before Pokemon could get away with having like even the legendary Pokemon were kind of cute and rounded and simple and you could draw them yourself. I'm thinking like Lugia was, you know, two, three colors or something and, and round and I could draw like a bad version of Lugia right now sure. if I want to. And then even Gen 3, like Kyogre, Groudon, it starts getting a little more detailed 
Like I'm thinking, you know, if, if you can imagine Rayquaza, mm-hmm. more detailed, but still kind of cute. Like Kyogre is kind of a okay. cute Pokemon. And then once you get to like Gen 4 and onward, those legendaries, people say they kind of look like Digimon. Like they're meant okay. to feel like very sci-fi. And I know it's like a space-themed game, Gen 4, you mm-hmm. know, Diamond and Pearl, mm-hmm. but like from outer space. And for a lot of people, a bit of me included, that takes the charm out of it, that Digimon era. Okay. And and then on with that, um, I don't entirely agree, but people also didn't like how they were making like a chandelier Pokemon, a, a sword Pokemon, right. like taking an object and putting eyes on yeah. it. Yeah. Right. And my counter argument was always, well, look at Gen 1. We had a Pokeball with eyes on it. Right. (laughs) You know, we had a Pokemon called Seal that looked like a seal. Right. Right, So Pokemon has always leaned into that approach. Yeah. But Gen 2, I mean, was pretty good about having like smart, fun designs and building fun Pokemon, whether it's a Shuckle that has like huge defense, no HP and is like a worm in a rock. Um, I just wanted to add that maybe okay. it'll, maybe it'll, <laughs> you know, influence where we place it, you oh, know, man. in the top five. Oh uh, yeah. This is going to be a tricky one. And we are like an hour and a half in this, so we got to make it quick. I'm so sorry if anyone's still listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much though. Uh, for real, this is a long episode. Thanks for listening. Okay. Well, Wrath of the Wild is going to be on our list because we, yeah, number one. Had. Um, yeah, I think it's it's probably going to have to be number one because you, I don't see how we're getting Yoshi's Island in on this. Absolutely not. Yeah, you see. Oh, I mean, it could be on the list, but it's not number one. Yeah, I, I don't think I could argue for it to be number one. Um, I think Earthbound is obviously on this list. Right. So you're probably not going to want Earthbound ahead of Breath of the Wild. Like, where are we standing on that's that? That's insane. I can't it's believe insane to you. Okay. even implied that that's All a possibility. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to think where I could. All right, where where do you imagine Earthbound list? It was my number four. Yeah. It was your. Did you have it at three? It was my number three. Yeah. Okay. And I had Pikmin ahead of it. So. But you did not have Pikmin. And like I said, I love the fruit in Pikmin. I like <laughs> I like the style that it uses. Okay. Is it in my top five? Okay. No. Most days not. <laughs> Most days it's not. Yeah. Um. So, can you just run me through your list real quick? Sure. I had Breath of the Wild number five. I had Earthbound number four. Pokemon Crystal number three. Super Metroid number two. Yoshi's Island number one. Okay. Um. I would take Pokemon. I would not take Metroid. I don't think. Okay. We could do Pokemon if you want, somewhere in this list. Um, but I would like Pikmin on this list if you can figure something out there. So I'm going to... Okay. I'll figure something out. I'll figure something out. <laughs> We're going to keep Pokemon Crystal on this list. I'm thinking maybe number three. It's my number three. Okay. And where would that put Earthbound? That leaves for Earthbound either a two or a four. I would 
well, what would number? What would the other two or four be? What is five? What is five? Is a great question. Yoshi's Island. <laughs> okay, what if we did Yoshi's Island, Pikmin, um, 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 Pokemon, Earthbound, Breath of the Wild? That sounds just dandy to me. Okay. All right. Well, we'll call it right there then. And to run through that one yeah, more yeah. time, we have Yoshi's Island, number five. Pikmin 3, number four. Pokemon Crystal. Deluxe. Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Pikmin 3 Deluxe, number four. <laughs> Pokemon Crystal, number three. Earthbound, number two. Breath of the Wild, number one. Nice. I am the most agreeable top fiver. I feel like I'm... Well, you I feel like me, I'm such a nice guy. You informed me after our last episode that I cut you some major slack. Do you really? On that list, or maybe it was the one before it. Oh, I, oh yeah. You did uh, inform me that I was being a nice guy, so no more oh, yeah. nice after, guy after, today. <laughs> after the episode, I was like, Jake, you were like too nice to me. <laughs> like, what, What's in it for you? What are you trying to get out of me? Uh, This week. I'll try to get this week out I guess here. so. And it worked. Got him. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> All right, well... Um, cool, this was a real fun one, a real long yeah, one. Yeah, long one. I guess we... Unexpected. We were talking, we were like, we're not going to have enough fun facts. Yeah, maybe because we, we skipped a week, right? So, I mean, did we? I don't even know. Yeah, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't have any job or school or anything right now. I'm like in that... I'm I much summer term finished, waiting for fall term. I'm doing an internship, but it's not really a whole lot. So, like, time is non-existent. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, uh, we shouldn't be talking. We should be ending this. <laughs> uh, round us out. So. <laughs> right, so um, are we on Instagram? Yeah. We're on Instagram. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are on Instagram and I believe Facebook now and and definitely Twitter. Yes. Great, and that is Top 5 Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the it. With, num- the, with number, number 5. With yeah. the number 5. And then, Jake, what is your personal Instagram handle? Uh, just my name, Jake Naradin. How about you, Sam? And mine is Sam underscore underscore answer. That's A N S A. Double underscore. Absolutely. Um, and then our email, if you want to shoot us an email, maybe some episode sh- suggestions or maybe what your list would have been or whatever. Uh, just top five Nintendo pod with the, the uh, number five at gmail.com. And that's it. Oh, we have a website now, but I, I am. I don't know the URL offhand, but I think it might just be top5nintendo.com, maybe. But it should be in our Instagram anyway, so you can look there. Uh, and I think that's it. Awesome. Well, that- thank you for listening to our longer-length episode. Um, our LP of an episode. Our, yeah, our full length. <laughs> and um, we'll catch you guys next time. I'm out. Bye.